This is Matt Heyman with Mindful Conversations with Matt. I'm with my friends, and one of my friends is the other half of Mindful Conversations. And I'm Rob Cook. Rob Cook. Oh, you gave your last name. I did. That was awesome. And we have a returning guest. We do. And our returning guest is... Hattie. Hi. Hi. You were here for episode six, and we're glad that you have joined us for the second part in episode seven of the topic... Maturity. Maturity. Maturity and um, leading toward intimacy. Yes. We're going to be talking about that in today's episode. So thank you for joining us. And as we get started here today, we've had some technical difficulties in the studio. But as always, when dealing with technology, together we have persevered. So thanks for your support. My friends here have been very generous with their um, sarcastic remarks as well as their encouragement. You're welcome. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, a good, healthy, intimate relationship like the three of us have has room for sarcasm. I think so. Um, But it has to be, um, in a sense, measured and not harmful. Like, you don't want to necessarily use me to make yourself feel better. Right. I think, I think of it as like dark sarcasm. Dark sarcasm. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Well, we are now going to begin our, our next episode conversation about the, the concept of um, processing in our maturity and learning how to become spiritually and relationally whole or healthy. And in our, in our first episode of this series, which we did in last year, last episode was episode six. And in that, we talked about the broad scope of the concept of maturity and intimacy. And so I wanted to start out, if you haven't listened to episode six, you want to go back and listen to that and, and get kind of the full picture of what we're going to be talking about in successive episodes. But... Um, I liked the image of the journey that we unpacked, the idea that we're on a journey over time to be able to, to find the avenue of maturing. And um, we use the idea of backpacking or hiking. Yeah, yeah. Backpacking is not necessarily a linear process. And I don't think growth and maturity is as well. Mm-hmm. It's not linear. It's, it's a little bit more wild. Yeah. More yeah. turns, more twists and turns. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you, and you can't always predict the terrain. Right. Right. And, um, we talked about the quickly, we're just going to review just the objectives of the process of maturity. And, um, we, we've discovered a pathway. You need to realize maturity is a, it's a, it's a journey. Um, we want to learn to have a perspective of maturity versus immaturity. So there's some need for some self-assessment, mm-hmm. you know, then we have the understanding that we'll talk about today, um, the concept of authority, but a partner to authority is identity, self-worth and self-control. And then as we connect our spiritual maturity to emotional and relational competency, mm-hmm. And then finally, understanding the concept of integration as it pertains to this process of becoming whole. 
how we think, act, and feel. And so make sure you listen. If you didn't listen to episode six, um, today we are going to be talking about authority. Now, the big target is intimacy, right? I yeah. hope so, yeah. The, the end game, as we talked about in our last episode, is if we're on this journey in order to experience more intimacy in our relationships. So let's park there just for a second and maybe talk a little bit about the what intimacy is and what it isn't. For me, intimacy is knowing and being known. Mm-hmm. It's it's and it's there's a sequence. You can't have intimacy without maturity. Okay. Which is often what we're trying to do today. We're trying to be connected and that connection doesn't work with um, a predominant immaturity disposition or whatever you want to call it. So for intimacy to be healthy, for intimacy to be um, safe, to know and be known, the prerequisite is maturity. Mm -hmm. In both parties. In both parties, yeah. You can mitigate against, that's a good point, Patty, you can mitigate against... um, you can mitigate against the unhealth unhealth of a relationship if one isn't immature, but you can't, it, it doesn't work well. It doesn't work well. You can only mitigate, you know, so, um, and then it forces the mature individual to constantly That's be. That's what makes it so complex. Yes. Is it takes two. Yeah. I believe that we were created to be in community. Yeah. Um, community can be as as small as me and just one other person, or it could be a family, you know, me, my my spouse, my children, my dogs, because dogs don't, cats don't get excluded, you know, from the, the system. Um, friendships, associates at work, or any organization that you're part of. The reality is we live in community. And that community is healthy based on each individual's maturity or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And there are levels of that too. I mean, if if you think macrocosm, microcosm, or or the other way around, microcosm, macrocosm, there's, there's the couple, the two, the family, the community, and then we get into governmental societies countries, nations, and the world, mm-hmm. on some level, if there's not maturity, there's chaos. That seems to be happening today. Wow, that's a great thought, Patty. Say that again, <laughs> if you can. I don't know if I can exactly the same way, but I always think of microcosm macrocosm so Mm -hmm. as above so below or when you look at anything i think you can find it's equal on some level on a different level Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah i i do think it makes sense the idea of i don't know if you use the word chaos or if that's just in my my mind (laughs) the idea is we want to be in community but Something deeply um, 
seated in our identity has, it's like a protective mechanism that was instilled most likely early in life. In order to be in community, I had to put on a false identity. Um, the idea of um, that Parker Palmer, he wrote a book called A Hidden Wholeness, and many other offers, authors have referenced the concept of a false self versus a true self. But in that book, in, in A Hidden Wholeness, Parker talks about the idea of from an early age, the systems that we're influenced by, in a sense, train us to put on a false identity in order to fit into the different uh, parts of the culture that we live in. Yeah. And we have, we kind of unassumingly kind of fall into that conditioning, if you will. And then we don't realize to the level of conformity that we are involved in until maybe later in life when we start to feel that incongruity of what I really want versus what I've been. Or what I thought I was supposed to be. Or, yeah, exactly. I oftentimes hear a lot from the, the people that I work with as a clinician when we have the conversation, I really don't know who I am. And that's not necessarily a question that's easily answered, but it is a question that does burden some people. I think of these things as maturity versus immaturity. Mm -hmm. A mature individual has a sense of who they are. Mm -hmm. And they're congruent with who they are, real or perceived self, mm -hmm. right? And, and so to Patty's point, the healthier the, org the healthier the systems, each separate system, but it's also made up of each individual. Mm -hmm. So I'm a part of multiple systems. That maturity allows me to appropriately navigate those systems. The immaturity, to her point, is going to create chaos on some level or drama. Exactly. And again, referencing Parker Palmer's book, um, he made a statement that just again, for me was profound, is that when we don't address the immaturity, to use your word, then we become a, per, we have a personal pathology that ultimately becomes a, a cultural pathology. Yeah. Like whether that community is my own home or the place I work, I bring my pathology, I bring my, my issue to the community and it has kind of an infectious ability yeah the the immaturity is a virus it, to your point it's it's like a virus and if i bring if i bring it into if a virus goes into a healthy system and it's what's happening today with covid right if the virus goes into a healthy system and the system cannot manage it well or can't address it people get sick yeah and i think that 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 physical is a good reflection of what we can't see in terms of the relational. Mm -hmm. If I bring in my immaturity, it doesn't matter how healthy, the healthy will be able to respond to it, no doubt, ideally in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. But if I bring immaturity, the virus into a healthy system, it's going to have to deal with that unhealthiness in some way, shape or form. And I think it's okay to say that is what we would consider to be normal in culture, unhealthy aspects of individuals that 
bring difficulty in relationship in systems like family system or, or work system, right? So you're saying unhealthy is what is normal? Yes. Unfortunately. Based on my simple assessment, I didn't do any research. I'm just saying when I look across the, the, the scope of community, um, I see a lot of unhealth or immaturity to, again, use Dr. Rob's language. That's true. And I think the research would substantiate that because we know we we know what a healthy family looks like, and each culture can define it um, on some level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, when we when we normalize pathology, to your point, when we normalize the unhealthy, when we normalize the immaturity, and we expect mature results. That's, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's incongruent. So here we've, again, named the, the target, which is, which is intimacy, which comes out of maturity. I okay. think okay. so. So we have that. Um, we now are going to turn our conversation toward one of the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Well, there's, there's about five or four issues that we have talked about in terms of leading toward um, the maturity, the authority, the identity, the self-worth, and self-control. So there's, right. there's four. Those are target elements that the premise is, if you're going to be mature and you want healthy relationships, pay attention to authority or influence within the relationship, Mm -hmm. your identity, right? Your autobiography, if you will, Um, your self-worth, because we know that people treat themselves and others based on what they perceive is their sense of worth or value, and then self-control. And in this model, you can't have self-control without the other three being reasonably healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Perfect. So let's talk for the remainder of this episode. Let's talk about authority. Well, you're the authority, so I'm willing to talk about it. No, my friend. <laughs> I'm washing. I'm washing. Give me your foot. I'm going to wash your foot. I'm not going to take that trap. So authority is influence in its most simple definition. I believe so. Yes. And then there are different ways to describe authority, like positional versus relational. Yeah, you have, I think of it to keep it in, um, not to confuse simple with simplistic, but in its simplest form, there's two overriding types of authority. It's positional and relational, and they can overlap. I can have a positional title of something, of some kind, and relational, so so father, son, daughter, mother, those are the real boss. Boss. Yeah. Are, are you my boss? I'm not your boss. Patty, are you my boss? <laughs> I'm not your boss. I feel I feel like a duck looking for its mom. Gonna... <laughs> Isn't that the Dr. Seuss? Are you my mom? Are you my mom? That's such a great one. So anybody listening, if you want to be a surrogate parent, just give me a call. I'm looking for I'm looking for a boss to tell me what to do. Um, uh, seriously, here at the Response Care Center, you do hold the title of what executive director. 
Yes. Okay, just for, for the sake of a title, right. in terms of your position here at the Response Care Center. And I am a, at one point I was an intern, I was doing my clinical um, internship here. And I was, in a sense, under or being supported by your influence or your authority. Yes. And then I've got my degree and I've got my license and I've continued to be supervised by you. The state of Michigan requires 3,000 hours of supervised work. Yeah. You, you continued to support me in that. And um, so to describe that authority, that positional authority versus relational authority in the context of this, this organization. So it's interesting. You did describe the positional authority. I wear the title um, from the state of Michigan's perspective. I have the responsibility for the center and the clinical practice. So in that regard, there is the positional authority. The relational piece though, is how we generally do things around here. So in that context, we're friends. There's a, there's, a, there's a friendship, there's a relational connection that, in my mind, supersedes the positional. Who told you that we were friends? I'm telling you as your boss. <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is how we relate to one another becomes the relational authority. Yes. If, if I were to relate to Matt purely in title, right, then... On some level, that's gonna that doesn't require that doesn't require a very intimate kind of relationship. It's purely influenced by position, which, by the way, is how many leaders lead today. They it's the position. It's I'm the boss. I tell you what to do. That's not collaborative. That's not I I would argue the best way to 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 have a healthy culture in an organization. The balance and the integration of positional and relational. Um, another, another example would be the Apostle Paul. Paul identified himself in Ephesians and Galatians as the authority. I am an apostle. He then says, but I don't come at you as an apostle. I want to come at you as a brother. And, and so you see this back and forth of positional and relational authority. And healthy relationships manage that authority or influence well. Mature people manage power well, because that's really what we're talking about. It's another, it's another um, synonym. You know, you have authority, influence, power, control. So a certain level of maturity would understand that as a director, you have specific responsibilities to uphold. And as a colleague, we are more equal. Yeah. And here at the center, we do have a flat um, authority structure. It's, it's more based on the relationship and, and what's in the best interest of our, the people we serve. And there needs to be a respect. With maturity, there would be respect for your responsibilities as director, as well as I guess my responsibilities as an intern and then our responsibilities as friends. Exactly. But around here, when push comes to shove, it's the friendship that generally supersedes 
the positional because there is it's based on respect, right? When you have respect at the center of a relationship, you can't and you can't neutral you will, you can't delete authority, influence, power, or control, however you want to define those, from a relationship. So they maturity mandates that we manage that dynamic between you and I well. And when respect is a part of that management, people don't have trouble then submitting or cooperating or collaborating because the maturity will prevent somebody from abuse of power. Yeah, I, this is a huge point because you just named the default positional uh, authority as being inappropriate when push comes to shove. Mm-hmm. You would normally hear from an organization, you would hear the buck stops here, and the leader or the authority is going to use their, their position to get it done. Yes. What you just described is very unusual. Yeah, it's a collaborative model where people have voice, but it's, bi- it's built or based on the uh, health and the maturity of not just every individual within it, but the organization as a whole. So when that's healthy in this model, Patty's voice carries as much weight on the objective of helping or healing as I do wearing the title of director. Yeah. And, and because of the health, the maturity, her and I recognize that, okay, I don't have to be running around with a fragile ego. That's the self-worth piece and identity. Mm-hmm. I, I, no, our mission is the same. Our objective is the same. We want what's best for the people we serve. And I just think it's a healthier way of doing business or model relationship. I think it's a mature model yes. of organizational health. Yeah. And in, it, in, in terms of being able to be productive. Yes. Meaning that we're able to attend to the task at hand, in our case, your response care, it just, it's, it's, it's helping people. Yeah. And that's our, that's what we are called or tasked to do. So let's do this for the remainder of the, the five or so minutes that we have. We've got a couple thoughts regarding the misuse of authority of influence. And we also have the appropriate use of authority or influence. So can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's sometimes, an exaggerated or problematic and exaggerated form would be in domestic violence. And if we use the domestic violence wheel, as it's sometimes referred to, you have power and control at the heart of that. And the misuse of that power or control is emotional. It can be emotional abuse, name calling, intimidation, threats, um, spoken or unspoken. So it could be implicit or explicit. You also have privilege. I'm entitled. You know, you're not the boss. I'm the boss. And so you can see, uh, and with men and women, it can, it can be economic. Mm-hmm. I control all the money because I control the money. I have the power. And, and so in, in, from a relational perspective, 
their influence is used for suppression or manipulating or self-serving mm-hmm. interests. Mm-hmm. In healthy, when it's based on respect, you you then have a safe environment where there is a collaborative spirit, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a negotiation. I use my influence and my power for the betterment of others uh, when respect is at the heart, when maturity and respect is at the heart. Um, economically, I share my wealth or my talents or whatever it might be for the betterment. Um, you know, there's honesty. And it's, it's not the absence of conflict. Mm-hmm. It's not the absence of conflict. In fact, if you do it from a marriage, some of the research and literature would suggest that there is no difference in the amount of conflict between a bad marriage, an unhealthy marriage, and a healthy marriage. The difference is in the way the two resolve the conflict. Mm-hmm. So with respect and the proper management of authority, influence, control, or power, you, you, literally, you literally can bridge great differences Mm-hmm. where in our culture we think differences divide us. Mm-hmm. And I'm right. like, no, maturity makes it so that I recognize the differences, appreciate the differences, value the differences, and also can recognize the similarities. Mm-hmm. So that to me is, you know, kind of a, a cliff note version of healthy versus unhealthy management of power or influence. Yeah, the misuse versus the appropriate use of authority or influence. Yeah. And again, we see we see authority or influence being played out in in homes. Yeah. Parentally. Yeah. Um, spousally, husband, wife, parent, child, older sibling, younger sibling, boss at work, you yeah, know, assistant director. Right. Um, over and over and over again, we can find different examples. Um, churches yep. that have pastors, yep. elders, positional authority versus relational authority. So, and I think all of us have a story. Everyone listening has a story about when they experienced a misuse of authority or influence, when they misused their authority or influence. Or when they grew more mature and they experienced a more healthy version of authority and influence, whether by somebody who represented an authority or whether it was them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of all that I've just described. I've been, I've misused my authority maritally with my spouse, parentally with my children, and in the roles I've played um, in the organizations I've served. I was immature. I would say the same thing. Yet I found a you know pathway to discover where my misuse was, and I began the process of maturity to become healthier, and then to learn how to use my authority in a way that would be constructive or supportive. Were your intentions during those times to misuse your authority. No. No, I mean, if I look back, the reality is, you know, and this is not assigning responsibility or blame, it's just kind of naming some facts. The cultures I would be growing up in, 
you know, the things that were modeled to me were very conditioning, right? Oh, parent conditioning, whatever seems to be modeled in your life, you just kind of pick up those cues. And so a lot of ignorance, but nonetheless, you know, you follow through with like behavior and then you, you get kind of a gut, or at least I did, you get kind of a gut witness that says, ah, that didn't sound right or that didn't feel right the way I treated that person. Sometimes it's not a gut. Sometimes it's the individual saying, I don't like the way this feels. If I don't like the way you treat me. If they've got the strength to stand yep. up yep. to a bully, boss or something, right? Well, we're talking about a lot of different things here. I mean, on one hand, the abuser who is unaware that he is abusing can f- can be made aware in several different ways, your yep. gut feeling or, or the consequence of the action um, somehow. But you're also talking about then the the one on the receiving end, Mm -hmm. you know, are they going to speak up and be that consequence to hopefully produce awareness in the abuser? Um, Or are they afraid to be abused more? I don't know. That's part of maturity is self-awareness and appropriate definition. So frequently you don't intend to harm in a relationship, but to your point, if you've seen it growing up in the family of origin, um, social learning theory says, you know, a lot of what we do and how we think mm-hmm. is modeled because based on. So, but again, as you grow in maturity, awareness theoretically improves. And with that awareness, I'm now actually becoming more congruent. I say I love you. I act more loving towards you mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. opposed to saying I love you and then abuse you. Mm-hmm. That's the immaturity incongruency. That's the worst form of incongruity is to say I love you, but then to behave in a way that says otherwise. Yes. That's confusing to the person that I'm influencing. Yeah. And again, that's that's in my history. And thankfully... I, I, I do believe that you, you, you rise and fall in community. And so I have been exposed to a different community that has allowed me to find the pathway of maturity much more easily and to stay on that path. It's one thing to like hop on that path and then hop off, but to be able to sustain that um, journey in one place for an extended period of time. And it feels like over the course of, let's say, five years, I've really gained a substantial amount of momentum. But it's because of the people I associate with. I associate with a lot of mature people. It's just like hiking. And you know this. You mitigate the risk by who you travel with. And if it's a long journey from time to time, you need help. You need help. When my son was young and he would go hiking with a friend of mine and I, um, he was too young to carry everything he needed. So I carried it for him. As he aged, he began to carry more of the weight. But throughout that journey, there were time to time when he needed support and help, and I could do that. Now there's the role reversal. (laughs) Now he carries some of my weight, you know, 
And that's the mutualness of maturity. It's that ability to be appropriately intimate with each other based on context and roles and design and understanding. It's a, it's a really cool, challenging um, dynamic. And we do better when we're in community, to your point. Yeah. And to Patty's, there's a lot of different um, levels. Levels. You know, yeah, you, you can't do this, in, in my opinion, and I'm just one person. I don't think you do this successfully without community. Um, Patty and I are part of a, um, a group called a circle of trust. And, and one of the core concepts there is that we establish a safety that each of us can be present, knowing that in our vulnerability, we won't be abused. Yeah. Or nobody will take advantage of something that we share. And um, I believe that concept. I've been part of it for about, you know, a little over two years. And the reality is it's really helped me to, to language my reality so other people can see me. Mm-hmm. And they can help ask good questions to help me go back to myself to answer core questions that are important for me to answer. I don't want another person to answer, although I do appreciate their assistance. Yeah. Yeah. They help you carry. They help me carry. Because ultimately, I need to be a better, healthier, more mature person in order not to be that that virus, that pathology. Yeah. And so that's kind of the target. And, you know, maybe in, in other episodes, we can talk about m- more examples. But like every episode, we've run out of time. That was quick. That was quick. And uh, yet we have several more episodes to be part of this series. And we've just talked about the the first item. Um, authority next time we're going to talk about identity cool and um, hopefully as you're listening you're going to kind of flow if you didn't listen to episode six do that and um, kind of real sometimes re-listen to these parts that maybe resonate most clearly to you and then do your own work Um, we don't necessarily provide a lot of resource but you have the ability to find some really good resources to help you in your journey of becoming mature. Any final thoughts, Rob or Patty? I'm seeing shaking heads. Nope, not for me. No. Well, I say then that what we do is call it good for today. I appreciate both of you. You both make me a better person. Likewise. Thank you. So have a great day and thank you so much for listening. This is Matt for Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob and Patty. All right. Thanks so much.